Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the House of Pod, a show where we pull back the curtain on the world of medicine, we answer questions about your health, and we interview great guests. I'm Joe, and I'm not a doctor. And I'm Lizzie. And I'm Kaveh. And we're two gastroenterologists. What's a gastroenterologist? You know, the doctors who work with your digestive system. Say what? You know, your liver, your pancreas, your intestines. Where now? Your butt, Joe. It's your butt. Oh. On today's show, we have Raif Darazi. He is an HIV advocate, a bodybuilder, and he has a very popular YouTube channel. Please stay tuned. Back to the House of Pod. I'm Kaveh. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Joe. Um, guys, guys. So here's the deal. This is our Thanksgiving episode. Um, and I want to do something a little different. I want to talk about what we're grateful for. So what I would like to do is go around the podcast, the table, so to speak, and hear what you're grateful for. It could be one thing. It could be 10 things. Okay. So I have Lizzie and Joe with me. Lizzie, how are you? I'm, I'm doing good, Kaveh. Joe, how are you? She doesn't want to go first. I could tell in your voice. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm thinking about gratitude and Thanksgiving and all the things I'm grateful for. And it's hard to limit it. That's the only issue I have. It's hard to limit how many things I'm grateful for. I hear that. I hear that. That's a good That's a good attitude. I think this is going to tie in also to our uh, great guest coming in uh, in a little bit. But first, Joe, can I start with you? Can Fine. You, can you tell me? <laughs> I'm sorry. You were just projecting. You didn't want to go first. Joe, what are you grateful for, man? So many things, like Lizzie said, but I'm going to just keep it to one for the show. Um just my lady friend, uh, Yen, she's a really, really nice person who I met uh, a couple of years back and we've been dating just recently. And, um, 
I'm very happy to have her in my life and my family loves her. And I know it sounds totally cheesy, but that's the truth. No, man. I think it's great. Why are you worried about being cheesy? I've known you for like 20 years. How long have we known each other, Joe? More than that, man. Since 13? Boy, that's a long time. (laughs) Oh, my God. 30 years almost. So 30 years or whatever. Almost. I've only heard you maybe talk about one other person that way. It was like your first crush in like high school. And I have not heard you talk about anything else like that. So that's... It's really cool that yeah. you have something that you care like that much about again. Yeah. As long as you don't get hair plugs. It's a ama- it's an amazing, wonderful, heartwarming, very cheesy but totally adorable thing that you're saying, but 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 don't get it's all ruined if you get hair plugs. I have to say something about that. It's so funny you brought that up because we negotiated, not really. We wait, wait, never wait. got an argument R- about real that. Real quick, real quick, let's what explain thing? to the listeners. I think we talked about yeah. this in a previous episode that you're uh, a more had uh, recommended that you get hair plugs. Yes. And Lizzie and I were against it. So that's where this is coming from right now. Well, I was trying to explain. I was, I was My idea was maybe she was saying, go big or go home. Like, shave it all off or plug it up, dude. Like, because no, you're rocking this neither. in between stage. <laughs> and you said she was mostly joking. She but, was mostly joking. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, I decided I'm going to go on Propecia. And that way, I'll at least keep what I got. So okay. I will, probably won't grow anything. They all say they grow stuff. They don't grow anything. We'll do a before and after we'll photo. We'll do a before for our... and after. Hell yeah. So it's okay. funny you bring that up. Yeah. That's kind of the negotiation middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. No hair plugs, but we'll go on Propecia. That's, that's love. Yeah. Do I don't have to cut that. It's kind of embarrassing going on Propecia. <laughs> no. So People go on Propecia I, all the time. All the time. I mean, all honestly, this is the thing that we do. Disappointing my a... bald brothers though, you know? Well, you're not totally bald. You're sort of on your way to it, but you're not a bald brother yet. I know, but and, still. <clears throat> no, man, you be you. Do whatever works for you. And this is what we're doing on the show is talking about, you know, mostly our guests, but now Joe, things that like we mm-hmm. want the public to be more comfortable talking about. So if you're going to do it, let's talk about it, Joe. I just did. All right. Very good. <laughs> Your turn. We appreciate it. <laughs> Lizzie. I am thankful for so many things. Um, so, you know, the politics and the, like the election coming up, I guess, in about a year is... um just so much of like the media now. So I feel like I'm very grateful because all you, all you hear about these days is like climate change. So I'm very grateful for like fresh air and parks and green. Mm. And it's like something that I feel like I think about now all the time. And it's a little bit of a bummer, but also right now I'm very grateful for it. Um, I'm grateful for what I'll say the three C's. Okay. Climate change, our crew here, the podcasting, and I've been reading Jen Gunder's book called The Vagina Bible. And she really uh, goes on and on about how great the clitoris is. <laughs> so <laughs> I was wondering where that third C was. I was good. like the three C's climate change or the climate right now that we have the clitoris and our crew, our house of pod crew here. I am very grateful. I think what we're doing is a lot of fun. I hope it's helping some people, you know, Joe again with, the editing and the sounds and the commute and your time. Kave really does a lot of the homework and does these outlines for the questions. And we both spend a lot of time trying to get great guests. Um, and I don't know, I think it's, um, and Nadim obviously behind the scenes as well. So that's what I'm grateful for today. 
great answer. Yeah, it's a good Ooh. answer. The climate thing is an interesting thing too. It really is. So um, I was just in Montreal, and by the way, Montreal is a dope city with a lot. Of, if we have any listeners in Montreal, let's talk. I want to talk about the food you guys have there. Fantastic. I don't believe your bagels are better than New York bagels, but lots of great food to be I had there. I think that's controversial, but and yeah. It's very controversial. I know I'm saying an unpopular opinion there, but uh, I'm going to be very patriotic about our bagels here yeah. in this country. Yeah. But um, when we were there, they were having the uh, climate change like March. Yeah. And there were thousands. I mean, th- there was it was a huge turnout of young people. Yeah. And they were out marching for climate change and, and they had great signs and they had great energy. And it made me like equally happy and hopeful and sad that it was even necessary all of it yeah that's how i feel it was an emotional experience Mm -hmm. i mean like it was i felt so much and these kids were like so right to be angry Mm -hmm. so right to be angry about what's happening to their future like you know the people like the Koch brothers who aren't going to live or haven't lived to the age where they're going to deal with the the disastrous climate change issues. I'm sorry, we're getting a little political. I'll try not. I'll try to. <laughs> it's my fault. I'll try it's to get my us fault, off this in a second because of, of my three C's. But anyways, they aren't going to have to deal with it. And these kids are out there marching with it and having a family now. I think about that a lot. I yeah. think about that a lot. Yeah. And that's really important to me. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. All right, Kave, tell us. <clears throat> okay. Um, First thing, uh, speaking of family, I'm very grateful for them. That's it. That's the first and foremost thing. It's a life-changing experience having a family, and everything in your life ex- changes sort of your, your, your drives, your goals. Everything changes in that, in that regards, and I'm super grateful for that because I, I, I'm experiencing something that I, a love I never thought I would have. And the second thing I would say is I would agree with Lizzie, this group, how much work you guys put in, I'm super grateful for it. Joe does a lot of work on the editing he puts together, you know, that he makes things sound good. He makes sure that every episode sort of has a, a good sound and there's music to it and all that stuff. Lizzie does a, a, a ton of work behind the scenes on, on each episode, getting guests and that sort of thing. Nadim is, is also getting no accolades from this. He's not involved in, he doesn't get to meet any of the cool guests we do. He doesn't get like the same, like people coming up to him and saying how cool, you know, it is that he's doing the show like we do. And, uh, he still does it. And I'm really grateful for that. And, um, the last thing I would say is I'm really grateful for our listeners. And I know this is super pandering, but it's 100% true because I spent a lot of time online talking to our listeners or getting emails or messages from them. And it's amazing. It's amazing that like, you know, in the time that we've had the show, the couple of years we've been doing this, we've built this small but really vibrant community of people who care um, about their health and care about the same stuff we care about and want to talk about and seem to appreciate what we do. It's really um, the energy that keeps us going is you guys. So I really, uh, I honestly mean that. I want to say thank you to all our listeners and to, and to everyone who follows us on whatever, Facebook or Instagram um, and Twitter. So thank you guys so much. Yeah, thank that you. That was even better than Lizzie's. <gasps> Fuck yeah. They're Fuck both yeah. good. I totally lost all gratitude for you guys. I'm done. I'm over it. All right. Stay tuned for our next guest. He is awesome. His name is Raif Darazi. He is uh, a pretty popular YouTuber. Um, if you haven't seen his YouTube channel, it's about living with HIV, uh, advocacy, advocacy for HIV patients, and bodybuilding. 
follow us on Facebook and follow us at Instagram and Twitter at the House of Pod. If you have questions for us, email us at the House of. I'm sorry, email us at hopquestions uh, at gmail.com and find us at, uh, like I said, Instagram, Twitter at the House of Pod. Stay tuned. All right, with us today, we have Raif Derazi. He is an HIV advocate, he's a competitive bodybuilder, and he's a YouTuber. He has a great channel, and he talks about living with HIV, working out, uh, the right mindset, and all that stuff. Raif, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, we've been watching your videos. Everyone will check them out. We'll post links. Um, We really appreciate your honesty and your willingness to talk about your story. Um, So why don't you start by telling our listeners when you were diagnosed and um, how that happened for you. Yeah, so I was diagnosed back in 2012. I was diagnosed with HIV a week before my 27th birthday. And then ironically, my follow-up appointment was on my 27th birthday. And that's when I was informed that I actually had AIDS. So yeah, that was quite the wake up. <laughs> what was happening at that time? What symptoms were you having, if any? Oof, a lot. I um, probably can't remember them all, but I know I had oral thrush. I had swollen lymph nodes. I had um, dyshydrotic eczema. Um, I would just general fatigue, muscle soreness, um, dizzy spells. I had a sore in the back of my throat. Oh, yeah, the oral thrush. Um, that's all I can think of at the moment. But I had a lot, and I was getting sick all the time. How long was this going on for? I would say probably a year and a year and a half. And in retrospect, it's like, how did you have all these symptoms for that long and you didn't do anything? But it was so circumstantial for me because I never, I didn't, I wasn't thinking it was an STI because I was in a, what I thought was a committed monogamous relationship. So I thought there was just something going on with my body and I had symptoms that were just popping up here and there. So I didn't connect them all. So, so for our listeners, um, you say STI, which is sexually transmitted infection. And when we Mm -hmm. were med students and doctors for many, many years, we call them STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, but we've joked on the show before and will again, many times that, you know, we're trying to be a little (laughs) bit more politically correct Uh with our terminology and try to understand (laughs) the patient's perspective. So we'd rather call it an infection than a disease. It's a bit kinder. And before that, it was venereal disease, VD, like all of our parents probably called it VD. I remember that too. Yeah. So every five or 10 years, it changes. So Mm -hmm. you were diagnosed when you were, I think you just said or told us 26 or 27 years old. So how did that rock your world as like a young, healthy man who was just getting into bodybuilding? Um, At the time, bodybuilding wasn't even on the radar. Yeah. Um, I was just, I was just living my life kind of on autopilot a little bit and when the doctor told me that I completely lost it. I broke down. I was sobbing in tears. I assumed that I would be dead in like three years and that was going to be it. So that, and that was my worst fear in life was getting diagnosed with HIV. It happened. And I was like, okay, well immediately my mind was like, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Uh, is even, do I even continue going to school? Do I work? What do I do? Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm going to be dead, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, it's been a, a learning curve since then to realize that that's not at all my fate. Right. When you were diagnosed, um, were you, you, you had a partner at the time, is that correct? 
Yeah. And how did that, did you, I'm assuming you had to go tell your partner at that time. How did that discussion go? <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I, I waited until he got home from work because we were living together. <clears throat> it was three and a half years at that point and let him know. And then, um, you know, it was very somber of course. And like, like craziness, but he was very supportive at the same time. He's like, what, it's okay. Like we're going to get through this together. And then he had to go get tested. And then he, he found out that he had AIDS as well. Mm. So AIDS, you say AIDS yeah. as opposed to HIV. Yeah. How did they, is that what they diagnosed you with? They said you had, had AIDS at that time? Mm-hmm. My um, CD4 count was 169 when I was diagnosed. Okay. Wow. And, yeah. and, uh, were you at that point when you were when you were first told how much of an understanding did you have about HIV? It sounds like probably not much. No, and it's ironic because when I was living in Orange County, I actually volunteered for uh, a nonprofit that was geared specifically geared towards eighteen to twenty four year old um, males who were at risk for HIV, and and mm-hmm. it, it was all about HIV prevention. So you would have thought that I would have been well equipped to handle that and know. Uh, what it is I was I was dealing with, and I just didn't have any information. That's crazy. Yeah, I, that's a pretty common thing, man. Like I, it yeah. just, it's so outside of the realm of what you expect to have happen. I mean, you were in a monogamous, committed relationship. My guess is you probably were checked in the past. You know, yeah, um, yeah. And it, it, I'm sure, it came as a shock. I think it would to to anyone in that situation. Yeah. How did yeah. you How did you go from and what was your course? Was it like family support, social support, medical support, self-education? How did you go from I, I'm going to die to this is going to be okay, right? Because that yeah. is the thing that you're saying you felt, like this panic and this sense of dread and this doom, this fear yeah. of death. And, and, and we know a lot now about, I mean, maybe you didn't know when you were diagnosed in 2012, but, you know, if you read newspapers and stuff, you know a little bit more about it. But you get the diagnosis, mm-hmm. and it's not the same as what you know intellectually, right? The emotion and the, the brains are separate. Totally. So what happened for you yeah. that you were able to ground yourself and move forward? Um, immediately, the immediate people that I was in contact with, like the, the physician who diagnosed me and told me immediately was like, I, was, I mean, I was sobbing. So she's like, I'm going to leave the room for 10 minutes. Call someone. Call someone that you love and you trust and let them know. So the first person I called was my mom and I told her and she, of course, that was ever since I came out as gay, that was, that was her. She was just like, you're going to, you're going to end up with AIDS and you're going to go to jail at some point and you're going to die. Those were like mm-hmm. the key markers. In her head. I don't know why. Like one out of three mom. <laughs> right. okay. Yeah. So it was like her fear had been realized as well. And she was really upset at first. And of, of course, later on, she, you know, became better educated but then it was also my my doctor who ended up being the person who was taking care of me the, my primary care physician like her the way that she was trained and i noticed this from our very first few um appointments together it was it was not just clinical it was very like sit down okay tell me about yourself like what do you love to do what are you doing in school mm-hmm. who are your friends are you in a relationship like yeah. she wanted to know all the details and every time we met up she would ask the follow-up oh, questions nice. so it was like amazing people like that and then and then really well-developed linkage to care so along those lines you know a lot of our listeners are also medical professionals so um that that clearly worked in 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 their favor but were there Mm -hmm. any things in this process of being diagnosed of being treated where you may not have necessarily criticism but you might have some feedback 
for uh, the medical profession as to, as to what might have went wrong or what could have been done better in your case? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, the, so there were people who were staffed at, this was at, um, LA, LA County hospital and they have the Rand Schrader, um, clinic, I guess is, is just for HIV patients. One of the nurses was actually very ill-equipped to be, um, handling people like me one-on-one. Uh, when I got there for my follow-up and I hadn't found out that I had AIDS yet, it was on my birthday. I'm sitting in the doctor's office waiting for the doctor and the doors open and he walks by and sees me. And then he comes back in, stops at the doorway and he says, he's like this big, like six foot three guy with tattoos, piercings, like hunched over. And he goes, Hey, you know why you're here, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, cause I have HIV. And he's like, so you got way more than that, bro. You got full blown AIDS what? and then walks off. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I was like, what, what I was, was like, the, oh my god! I'm trying to think about what his mindset was there. Like, what was the approach there? <laughs> what was yeah. it like? It, to, it, I mean, to it be felt like, like I, I felt judged, and I felt like this kid's an idiot. How come he didn't do this sooner? How come he let it advance this far? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm watching. Oh, mouth. you can curse here. That's all right. That's okay. Um, no, okay. No, uh, we we won't judge you. We, yeah, no, it's a judgment free zone, buddy. <laughs> right. We do we do full blown cursing here. Yeah, so uh, yeah, full blown cursing. So full blown the keywords. Yeah, exactly. That's so rude. My my, my I don't want to make um any sort of I don't want to help this guy's situation anyway. That was ridiculous what he said, but. My my guess is that he probably felt comfortable saying that because he knows that these days we have good treatments and we can control these things and we can help. But still, when you right. are just diagnosed, literally just diagnosed, yeah. that's not how you handle somebody. That's not how you deal with it. Yeah. And by and large, most people that I hear who get diagnosed don't know when they're diagnosed that it's chronic manageable condition. Right. Um, and then later on when the, when I was sitting with the doctor and she like, she was like, she for, she knew I sang. So she made me sing happy birthday. And so I'm like in tears Aww. singing happy birthday to myself and she's in tears. And then he pops his head into the, into the doorway and he's like, Oh, Oh, Oh my God. I didn't know it was your birthday. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> that changes everything. Really? I'm so really? sorry. I was, I was heckling you yeah. about your AIDS because if I known it was your birthday, I would have been much, yeah. much nicer next, about your AIDS. Next time, check someone's birthday before you ring them. Right. You, you know, it's funny because at the time you were probably freaked out about dying, like you said, but I'm looking at you now. I know how healthy you are and you're probably going to outlive all of us here in this interview and it kind of right. pisses me off. Right. I, have a, I have a question maybe for yeah. you, Raif, and, and maybe Kaveh. And maybe Joe, um, but do you think that talking about HIV and AIDS in this way, that's like it's a chronic manageable disease that maybe we're going to think light, more lightly of it, you know, in that in a way that could be dangerous and a little bit more um, carefree. And, and that's not how mm-hmm. we should treat it. Right. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard the same argument made with prep. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I want to hear what you have to say, please. No, I. It's not a. Yeah, yeah. Exa- so, so you. Uh, I'd like to hear what you're saying. The argument for prep, which is, um, uh, prophylactic expo- uh, preventative exposure treatment, right? Yeah. So, Truvada yeah. is the one that we talk about, where you take mm-hmm. if you're planning to maybe have unsafe sex and you just don't want to get yeah. HIV, which works amazingly well. We had Jonathan Volk on um, last year who helped um, do the research in this data. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear that argument and I understand where people are coming from when they say that, but at the same time, I don't think that that should be 
Um, I don't think for personally, I don't think that fear is the best motivator. Yeah. Um, I think, I think anything that comes from a place of love support and then education piled in all together, working as one big communal effort is going to be the best way to get people to, uh, treat themselves with respect and other people with respect. And so the whole, I mean, I get why in the eighties and the early nineties, it was fear tactics because it was like literally life and death and it It was this major epidemic. Right. Yeah. It wasn't fear tactics. It was people were, you know, dying by the thousands. So it was like yeah, totally, yeah. there was no threat. But, there. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I hear what you're saying. I think it's, yeah. to some degree, it's something that um, people in particular who have HIV should be able to claim it and they should be able to joke about it. It's something that you yeah. kind of should own in a way. Are you, do you find that you do that? Do you find that you're able to joke about it with people or, or is it still yeah, sort of strange? Absolutely. I, I've recently, you know, started to accept that more. And I think a lot of times when there is a shift in the public perception of something that is considered to be like heavy or like off, like you like hands off, like you can't touch it. Once people start to joke about it, it kind of signifies a shift in the culture that like it's more acceptable and we can't have dialogue about it. It is uncomfortable, but like jokes help you break that barrier Mm -hmm. and so like for example i i part of my income is bartending in a restaurant and so i started joking with my my coworkers. at first it was like lighthearted jokes like if people would tell me to be positive i'd be like i'm always positive it's my blood like i can't have it uh and then later on it became a little more morbid like i would use it as a threat to people like my coworkers if they're pissing me off and we're like jabbing each other but i'll be like yeah well i put aids in your drink so you're got it (laughs) or if people are like find out that i have free health care i'm like yeah like you get free health care when you have hiv so like we should just have like an HIV uh, party where I give it to everybody and we all get free healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> so, totally like, yeah. That is such a quintessential <laughs> American joke. Healthcare is so mm. expensive. We should I all know. get HIV AIDS, you just know, which by the way, yeah. not, not actually funny, <laughs> but totally. I appreciate the when you can be light about yeah. something so difficult. So it's, it's, it's a great nice, attitude. It was nice to see like among my coworkers and friends at first it's like shock horror in their face when I talk, when I start making jokes like that and they're like, Oh my God, you cannot say things like that. And then after a while they kind of accept it and they're like, okay, well Rafe can say it cause he has HIV. And then after a while they start to like roast me about stuff like that. And I'm like, yes, that's what I want. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah. Amazing story, sir. Uh, You know, when did you start bodybuilding and do you feel that you still kind of encounter um, any concerns from, from people with your diagnosis at this state or is it still the same or what could you uh, say about that? Let's see. I, it was, it probably took me a year or two. I would say a year after my diagnosis, because shortly after I was diagnosed, I ended up breaking my ankle. I don't know if it was related to the ARVs that I was taking at the time. Cause it was called a tripla extreme, extreme side effects. And some of them was bone loss. So I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons why I broke my ankle. Mm. Anyway, um, as soon as I was back on my feet, I I knew I wanted to reclaim not only my mental health and emotional, but also my physical health. So I started going to the gym regularly. I had never, I had never bench pressed, squatted or deadlifted at that point. And those are like the Holy Trinity of, of bodybuilding exercises. So I really started to get into it. And then one day, one of the trainers there saw me and like pulled me aside and was like, Hey, have you ever considered competing? I think you'd be perfect for it. 
And I was like, absolutely. So he took me under his, under his wing and then you know, it's just taken off since there. And I'm, I'll be doing my first pro uh, natural men's physique bodybuilding show in two weeks. Wait, what does that October mean? 12. Natural. Natural meaning that no uh, banned substances are allowed. They're like WADA tested. But isn't that... I, mean, anti-doping wait, I was like, so, what, what is WADA? So if there is like this natural one, is there like a full-on steroids like competition? Because <laughs> that would be dope. Like oh, where they yeah. just let everybody do yes. whatever drug they want. That would be amazing. Joe is definitely yeah, yeah. participating in next year's doped up steroid full, full-blown steroids oh, bodybuilding well, contest. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any any federation that doesn't explicitly say they're natural, you can assume that it's steroids full. This wow. is fantastic information. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, kind of along this, um, the lines of how you started bodybuilding after the diagnosis, you've also discussed having like a victim mindset. You've talked yeah. about, about what a victim mindset means. Can you explain what that means to have a victim mindset and how you change that? Yeah. So early on in childhood, you know, I went, I actually went through quite a bit of traumatic situations with an abusive, uh, biological father that my mom and I ran away from. We, that's why we fled to the U S from the Netherlands. I was in hiding for most of my life using a fake name mm. and I just got picked on a lot here. And when I, when I was growing up and, dealt with depression and all these things. And I, and I was sick a a lot too, ironically, just, I think that was part of my psyche too. I just had a weak immune system and, um, I just kind of learned to think as though I'm a victim. And then over time I realized that I could use that to my advantage in a lot of situations. For example, school, if I, if there was an assignment due and I hadn't done it because I didn't do my homework or whatever, I knew I could say, Hey, you know, I I was really, really sick or I just wasn't feeling well. I had migraines as usual, or, you know, I'm just really going through it right now. And I could kind of leverage that to, to give myself all these exceptions that for a while were really cool. And it's like, Hey, yeah, I'm like working it. And I wasn't doing it consciously. It was just became a part of who I am. And that that was informing my life into adulthood and, 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 ended up becoming a crutch for me because Mm -hmm. then I wasn't taking the lead responsibility for anything. And I was just at at a whim to everything. And how did that change? How did you change that? So yeah, after it was basically when I broke my ankle and I was stuck in bed, I was still with my, my ex at the time, three and a half years. I had found out that he was cheating and we were trying to make it work and I had basically five months to sit in a bed and, and say, okay, right. Like you need to completely reevaluate your entire life because I, I really believe that everything is connected and, and, and one leads, one thing leads to the next. And that I had brought myself to this situation that was not good. And so I needed to figure out what my part in that was. And that's when I realized my victim mentality, I was doing things like, um, like, uh, journaling, gratitude journal. I was reading every self-help book I could think of, uh, motivation, self like, uh, growth and, uh, uh, vision boards, dream boards, the secret, you know, every kind of like woo woo thing too. It was just like all of it. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. change inside. You gotta love the dream boards. Yeah. What, what yeah. Of, all that, 
of all that stuff yeah. you did, of all the things you probably, of all the different sort of teaching uh, modalities, of all the different sort of philosophies, was there one that really stuck with you? Was there something like meditation or was there yoga or something like that that really worked for you? Or maybe the thing that you would tell like a younger you, like do this one thing, like what, you know, mm-hmm. what you would tell the next generation. Yeah. I would say the number one impactful thing that I've done for myself is gratitude. Gratitude has helped shape everything, the way I perceive the world and my life and my circumstances and valuing my body and my health. Gratitude is like the foundation for me, for sure. So what did you do? Did you like start actively expressing gratitude towards people or did you start like writing down? Because I've heard like, you know, we as doctors, there's lots of burnout, right? And one of the things that Mm -hmm. they teach you is like, don't worry about your your load of work or how fast you have to work. Just be (laughs) grateful and it helps. And there's some evidence behind that, that like gratitude does improve like your your situation and, and your your mental state and similar to antidepressants that's like it, it the, works the comparison it can work yeah. pretty well yeah. so what were you doing in that process to show gratitude it, it, in the very beginning it was all about myself so uh, it was more just about me taking the time every morning first thing in the morning to write down 10 15 things that i was grateful for and doing this every single day and starting my day with that mindset and yeah, I mean, like a lot of us kind of go through life and the, the voice inside our head says says whatever it says and it, it influences our emotions and our feelings and how we perceive things and we don't give it a second thought. And I was realizing, okay, I can rewire that voice to actually think positively and to think from a place of gratitude so that it's kind of reaffirming me and supporting me as I go throughout my day and then my overall mood shifts and I feel better. Right. Yeah. Yeah the way you talk to yourself that's really important. exactly and now i i'm very aware of that and I, I i hear myself thinking a lot and i can correct it if i need to so you know we've learned so much about hiv in the medical world and also pop culture and life you know yeah. um and when you think of like hiv success stories honestly the only person i can think of is magic johnson like the only person who's Thank out you. there online talking about it so yeah. Is this your purpose is to get online and get your story out? Because there's not a ton of people out there talking about this. And the second, that's one question is, is this why you're doing it? And the second question is, did you look to any other success stories, specifically celebrities, politicians, anyone who was your person? Like, is there someone you looked up to? So, yeah, I mean, it's funny that you say magic because that's, that's exactly what my experience was when I started talking about it with people, they're all like, oh yeah, and yeah, you're gonna be great. Like Magic Johnson is doing, and I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, I appreciate that guys, but like Magic was three decades ago. So like long where ago. are all the millions of people in right. between, right. you know? And he's not the only the high profile person with HIV, I guarantee it. Right. So that was my disappointment as far as looking for uh, visibility in the media. And that definitely was the reason why I was like, okay, if there is nobody else out there doing this kind of like visibility advocacy work, yeah, especially someone my age, like my generation talking about it and just kind of like being happy and healthy. And I'm like, cause I'm learning all this stuff. Like, Oh, whoa, I can be completely healthy. Oh, whoa, when I'm undetectable, I'm untransmittable, all this stuff. And I'm like, how come nobody's talking about it? This is like huge information. Right. And so that's when I really started to think, okay, 
I'm, I'm willing to, to be that if no one else is doing it, I'll step up to the plate happily yeah. right. do that myself. Um, and then your second question, no, I didn't, I didn't model myself after anybody. I didn't, not even Charlie Sheen, anybody, <laughs> not even Charlie Sheen. Whoa. I forgot no. about him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must we say his name? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Well, just honestly, I mean, you would know better than we would. I can't think of anyone else. And yeah, Charlie so Sheen's like, okay, not well. a role model and that's a huge problem. <laughs> so we thank you for coming yeah. on the show and t- doing what you're doing. Like, it's really important. What is it that this means for you being happy and healthy? Is it one pill a day? Is that all that you're doing right now to be this happy, healthy, positive, literally and figuratively person, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I, it's one pill a day for me. I have zero side effects, noticeable side effects. My, all my labs are great. Every time I go to the doctor, I'm doing really well. I'm super healthy. I'm bodybuilding. I'm at the happiest I've ever been. I'm yeah, I'm moving. My career is moving along. Like everything is doing really, really, really well. So yeah. So you're <laughs> recommending our, our listeners get HIV is what you're saying. That was the sort exactly. of exactly. It's the answer to all your problems. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so do not. yeah, the listeners do not get HIV. Don't get any chronic disease, no matter how controllable it is. So, um, you, let me ask you, uh, in terms of dating, cause you're young, I assume, single you're out there on the scene doing the apps the whatever apps there are to do i'm i'm mimicking hand gestures that look like i'm tweeting or something on with my hands right now um you're dating yourself I'm you sound totally so dating. old i'm on the the interwebs you're on the interwebs yeah. uh doing things are so, you on match.com are you on the uh yeah actually no, what's the other one no the, that's the old person one. no no what's the one that's even like like more like serious than that like oh the, um the christian, oh, like christian one mingle. the christian mingle or whatever no, it, well whatever like for whatever like when you're in the, out in the dating world one how is that and if you're like doing mm-hmm. that the app scene do you like put it out there on the app that you have hiv when do you tell yeah. people that you have hiv tell us about that is is there an app for hiv positive dating there not excuse me i wouldn't say necessarily just for hiv dating at least on an app But there is on a lot of the gay apps, Yeah, they'll give you the option to put your status, positive, negative, um, undetectable. Yeah. I personally have chosen not to do that just because of how ADD, the whole app, Tinder, swiping culture is. People are just looking for the most minute reason to swipe past you and to decline and move on to the next. Yeah. And I think... I have a better chance also of being able to educate someone and have that discussion if we're able to make a connection first. And then usually I'll wait till we meet face to face because then people can see how charming I am mm. and like such good vibes. Very and charming. Such a catch, you know, yeah. <laughs> and then usually when I bring it up then, then it's like, okay, there might be a little reticence. Um, but it's like, I got you, I've got you trapped. Like you're here with me in person. You can't just exit out of the app and stop talking to me or block me. And then in that moment, so often I, I use that as an opportunity to educate. Mm-hmm. And I would say nine times out of 10, the, that person is then who was afraid and reticent at first suddenly has a change of heart and is open and wants to pursue things further. Do you, do you still find yourself running across stigma of HIV though? Like people who are like, no, I don't want to sh- sh- go out to a drink. With- I don't want to share a drink with you. I don't. Who knows what will happen? Do you find yourself still in this day and age encountering <laughs> that? Yeah, for sure. Um, the last 
really big moment I had was I was seeing a, a barber in the valley here last year. And we had been, I'd been going there maybe like five, six, seven times. And we would text each other back and forth and, and call every once in a while. Like we had a good rapport. And the last time I saw him, like I could let him know about my HIV advocacy work. And he was like, wow, like, I can't believe that. That's intense. That's like so much. I don't know. I don't think I would ever be able to handle that if that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but so much respect for you and what you're doing. That's really great. And then radio silence after that day. He wouldn't respond to any of my texts. I would call, wouldn't call me back. They'd be like, oh, yeah, he's in the shop, but he's with the client. And I'd say, okay, well, can you leave him a message? Let him know, call me back, want to set up an appointment. Yeah. He wouldn't get back to me. It took me like maybe a month and a half before I kind of was like, okay, clearly he's avoiding me because of HIV. Yeah. And he won't even have the balls to say anything or get back to me. And I had to find a new barber. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. And his, yeah. his loss. It, exactly. I, I have a question that, and I recognize that on some level, it's not even a fair question. And I apologize in advance <laughs> for asking it. But I've noticed in your videos that you are really good, really careful to point out, like you said, how grateful you are, how lucky you are. And you reference to how things were in the past. Do you mm-hmm. feel some level of guilt almost that you were diagnosed at a time when things are so much better? Because Lizzie and I, mm-hmm. we started medical training sort of at the end of what was the worst of it. So we mm-hmm. saw just a little bit. We saw the tail yeah. ends. We saw like the last remaining like <laughs> awful cases of AIDS, full-blown AIDS where we didn't have much yeah. options. and. And thankfully, you know, now it's so much better. Do you find that you have like a, a little bit of guilt about that? Mm. No, I don't. Good. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Uh, in a weird, in a weird way, I wish that I was around and dealing with it earlier so that I could have been of more help to people in a situation like that. Like an advocate. Yeah. Do you ever talk to yeah. older generations of people? who who had worse stories or had more difficult stories do you do you talk to them about it i haven't and that is something that i've put down in my notes for my vlog is that that's what i need to do is start reaching out to the older generation and get their stories and their experiences yeah it was just like that 50th anniversary of stonewall in new york city where it was yeah like i was there oh you were so cool that's very yeah. cool yeah and it's you know it is important and I think feeling grateful without survivor guilt, without, without guilt Mm -hmm. is really important because, you know, not only did you get HIV or AIDS at a time that you're, you are so lucky, but you're, you're responding really well to the medicine and you clearly have a very strong social structure around you. The people that we still see to this day who come to the hospital who are so sick, are the people who have a lot of mental health disease and don't have the social support and structure. Those are the only people we see nowadays with like what you're talking about thrush, which is a fungal infection of candida throughout, you know, their, their mouth and their esophagus. Kaveh and I see that more commonly than other manifestations of AIDS, but those are the only, it's a very unfortunate population who show up to the hospital in that distress. And a big, I mean, a big part of why you are success, so successful with this is because of what you've done. Because clearly, like you said, it's not like your. It sounds like your mom wasn't like 
um, super woke about it when you <laughs> told her, you know, nope. and you didn't have like a ton of support. You created it and you've done that yeah. on your own. You've sort of had the insight to look at yourself and be like, this is the kind of thing that I've been doing my life. That's wrong. My whole life. Yeah. And yeah. you've worked to change that, which is really commendable. It's really hard. Your brain, my this is a theory of mine, is that the brain will follow any pattern that it recognizes, no matter how fucked up or detrimental it is to you. Mm-hmm. In your case, it was sort of this vector mentality, and your brain was following this this pattern that it recognized. It's so yeah. much more difficult for your brain to step out of that and do something different aside from that. Yeah. And you've done that, yeah. so that's really commendable. It's really impressive. Um, it's impressive you. for you and it's impressive, um, again, your mission for the world to try to be a face, a voice for, you know, younger people or older people who just, nobody talks about living with AIDS and, um, yeah. and it's a, it's a shame, right? It should just be something that's mm-hmm. much more common. And that's what we try to do on the show is try to take away some of the taboo and the stigma of yeah. anal cancer and depression and AIDS yeah. and, and thank you for coming on and, and helping us with that. And it is a lot better here in the U S but I mean, there are places around the world where it's still really, right. really, really scary. And the access to care is really scary. And because of the stigma, people are still dying of AIDS. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of your face um, and how handsome it is, where can people uh, look at it? <laughs> Did uh, I make I you blush? Did I make you blush? Are you asking yeah. which dating yes. app he uses? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm trying to get at Ryder? YouTube. No, tell, us about, tell us about your YouTube channel where people Yeah, I have it. a YouTube channel. It's my name, Raif Darazi. Spelled R A I F. Yeah, D E R R A Z I. It's the exact same spelling for my Instagram. I have a, um, I do a lot of stuff on there as well. Those are my two main platforms. Great. That's thank fantastic, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. This was, yeah, this was a lot of fun. If you find your way up here in San Francisco, where I hear there is a gay community, um, <laughs> let us know. Come on. We'll have you on for a follow-up. How's that sound? That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you for your time. Hey, man. Take it easy. Thank you guys thank so you. much. All right. Welcome back to the House of Pod. We... Let's start over. Sorry. Oh, that's that's <laughs> my your phone mom. Just oh, ran. happy birthday. That's my time. mom's birthday. She is called. Okay. This is how much I, I care about this interview is I just um, hung up Screen on my out. mom. The opinions on this podcast are broadcasted for educational and informational purposes only and do not represent the opinions of our employers. These opinions are not intended as a diagnosis, treatment, or as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a local physician or other healthcare professional for your specific healthcare and or medical needs or concerns. All antidotes and patient-related details have been changed with respect to date, sex, and certain details so that patient identification is not possible.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.